Welcome to another Impact Drive Time presentation, a value-added feature designed to help you increase your bottom line from Gateway Financial Advisors, Incorporated. GFA is striving to provide our partners the synergy, support, and motivation needed to achieve their maximum potential. Go to www.gfainvestments.com or call 888-939-9714 to find out how you can be part of the winning team of Gateway Financial Advisors, Incorporated. Now sit back and enjoy as Gateway Financial Advisors presents another Impact Drive Time presentation to help you increase your bottom line. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. This is Shane Wesselter, CEO and uh, founder of Gateway Insurance, Gateway Financial Advisors. Welcome back to another podcast. I have in the studio uh, with me again today, you have former NFL Rams and Buffalo Bills, uh, the great and awesome Preston Denard. So, uh, Preston, you've... Uh, done this with us uh, several times. I know you've been around the Gateway family and the Gateway Advisors, so welcome uh, to another podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here with you again. Very good. We've uh, talked about uh, in a prior podcast uh, your childhood a little bit, and today what I'd like to do is maybe pick up and talk about some of the uh, training camp as you entered into the NFL, how that all came about, uh, maybe picking up college days wherever you like, and then bring us forward because I know there was a lot of other additional challenges, things that you had to overcome mental attitude and all of that. So I'll, I'll go ahead and let you take it from here. Thank you. I appreciate it. It does start back in college. Um, when you talk about professional aspirations and all that, never thought about playing pro ball until someone mentioned it during my early part of my senior year. Might even been my late junior year in spring when the scouts would come through. And um, But it did start in college. Uh, I entered college in 1974 as a freshman. It was the first year the NCAA allowed freshmen to play on varsity sports. And um, I actually went to University of New Mexico desiring to play baseball. And since football was first, they let me do it. I ended up um, playing football and uh, my freshman year in the Western Athletic Conference. And lo and behold, when they moved me up, I ended up at the end of the season being the first freshman to ever garner all-conference honors. And so that was outstanding. The conference had been in existence for 13 years at that point. And to be the first of anything is kind of unique, but be the first in a conference was really special. And I remember um, one of my first right off the bat challenges that one has to make, and mine was uh, an academic one. And uh, I remember I got the news that winter break, and uh, I got the news about making all conference athletically. And then academically, two days or so later, I got my grades. And uh, Shane, I was sporting a wonderful 0.6. Now, when I say that, <laughs> 0.6. when I say that, I must preface and then say this, that I usually go and talk to kids when I'm talking about motivating them, about performing in school and all that. And I'll say, how many of you know what a 0.6 is? And you may hear somebody yell back, oh, that's an F. And I said, no, that's an F plus. Give me some motivational spirit here. And um, That means you showed up every day in the class. I showed up every day at class. At least that's worth something, right? Well, it just talks about, which I, I didn't mention um, once before, that it's all about applying yourself. You know, it's one thing to be in the mix, but if you're not applying yourself specifically to whatever that challenge is, you're not going to fare well. And it's one thing to be studying and doing homework and reading and all of that with headphones on, listening to Stevie Dan, Stevie Dan, Steely Nicks, and Stevie Wonder and all these different folks as a young freshman. But when you go to perform like a test and all of a sudden you got to recall that stuff, 
Folks don't realize which senses take over. So anyway, that's what happened. That was my very first challenge. Well, I overcame that. I needed a 3.65 to uh, be eligible my sophomore year. Ended up getting a 3.678. So I was eligible. Thank God. Became an All-American, led the nation in receiving my sophomore year. And from that point on, football took off for me. Um, Had a wonderful career in college. When I finished, I had a chance to play professionally. Went down to Cruces, was in the room with uh, nine of us athletes with an agent, and uh, Texas Tech, UTEP, New Mexico State, University of New Mexico, all of us were represented there. Everybody got drafted out of that room except for the University of New Mexico Lobo guys. And I was the one, well, two of us got an opportunity to go play for the Rams. And so we signed a free agent contract. And um, I'm proud to say that I I took that whopping uh, signing bonus that they gave that they never do to a rookie free agent, 1,500 bucks. I took 500 bucks, gave to my folks, took 500 bucks, and I put it in the bank, and I took 500 bucks, and I started my album collection. So I I like to think, Shane, I started a great investment journey then. I think you did. I think you did. (laughs) I I think the LPs are coming back, and uh, one of these days we'll uh, spend some time sitting on the patio listening to those records. Yes. I'm sure you've got some great collections in there. Um, And so the – you, you get out to L.A., and uh, you're walking up and in, uh, into the training camp, and, mm-hmm. and like you said, you were a free agent. So, of course, uh, when you walk on the field, everybody absolutely knows who you are since you're a free agent, and you've had mm-hmm. all the highlight reels, you know, all about you back in the day. Um, tell us what it's like to walk out on that field, and, you, you know, and again, that part of this is the mental attitude and how to focus on that uh, mental capacity. Well, <laughs> you mentioned something I'm sure I'm, I wasn't aware of, but had I been a draft pick, maybe I would have thought somebody's seen me before. But as a free agent, you're like, you know, it's that old adage where you knock on the door. Excuse me, can I try out? I used to be pretty good in college. <laughs> so that's what a free agent <laughs> and I, is. And I'm the biggest, I'm the strongest, <laughs> and I'm the fastest. So I'm definitely not that. <laughs> but, um, no, it was, it was really my journey was a wonderful journey as a free agent. I don't think I would even beg for it to be different. Of course, we'd all love to financially be secure, as a lot of the guys are today. But back then, in 1978, that was a different picture. Um, you know, my three-year contract, 25000 31.5, unreal. Today, you couldn't even think of that. That's not even a sign-in bonus. I don't think you can even register, re- register yourself in NFL under that kind of money. But still, it, it, it proved to be a journey for me as a free agent. And so the way the entire training camp scenario goes and how it equated to me being a success. Um, mini camp came after the draft uh, happened. They brought all the draft picks in one week. They brought all the rookie free agents that they chose to bring in. Might've been 80 some guys. After that, they depleted that held over the number of the rookie free agents. They wanted to mingle with the draft picks for a couple of days on the field. And after that, they discarded whomever they wanted, the draft picks and the uh, preferred uh, rookie free agents they kept over for the vets that would show up the last two and a half days of that week. And so that's how mini camp goes. They want to get a snapshot of what they want to bring in in training camp in July. July comes, I'm invited to camp, I go through the whole scenario, they start to cut the windows and all that different things. I lasted to the last cuts, but then I eventually get cut that rookie year. I was also injured with a shoulder, so that kind of equated them to making the move of waving me. But the Rams came to me because I had shown such great um, strides in training camp, you know, that old thing about separating yourself from others. I used to do that. I used to come to training camp, 
nobody would want to get up um, and, and have a performance that morning. They want to save themselves for the afternoon when it's warmer. Um, certain guys and veterans wouldn't take turns or their reps as far as plays are concerned. I was always the first one to jump in there and do it. You know, when you talk about separating yourselves from others, this is one of the things that I did that really stood out more than anything is guys only studied their position. I knew every position. So if somebody was short somewhere, hey, I got it, coach, I'd run in and run and play Z, or I'd go run play X, or I'd run Y, or I could be in the backfield because the back didn't know what route to run out of the backfield. So I was very valuable from that aspect, but it meant so much to me because I was never lost. I was never out of the flow, and I became a conversation. And I remember this because one of those days at the evening in training camp, George Allen, who happened to be our head coach at the time, um, a play was ran, and in front of the entire group at training camp, he stood up and asked, who was that? And someone said, that's that Denard kid from New Mexico. They go on a few plays later, and the same thing happened. I probably made a diving catch or a real high catch, something out of the norm in training camp. And coach got up and asked again, hey, who, who is that making that play? That's that kid Denard from New Mexico again. He stops everything, turns the lights on, and, and he tells all the vets, that's the kind of effort we need from each and every one of us in order to make it to the Super Bowl. Well, that was great because now I remember and it reflects back on when I was in the eighth grade and that happened. And then in high school when people said, you'll never make it over at that new school. And so all those things always played itself for me. And so I was very thankful. And so though I did get cut, I was asked personally by management to stay around and that's the beginning of my real well, NFL yeah, journey. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. So two things. Uh, again, you know, you're sitting in the film study, and the, you have a couple of plays that the coach notices on the film, doesn't know who you are, and has to stop the film and say, okay, who, who made that play? Uh, and then later makes the comment, you know, that's the kind of effort we need. And, and you alluded to that, that, you know, there were players that would, you know, maybe not take their rotation, you jump into that, or they didn't go run out to get into the huddle, so you ran out and got in there and took that spot. Um, so that extra competitiveness, that giving it 100% all the time, you know, not worrying about what other people think and just really going after your dream was there. Uh, so now let's talk about, you know, fast forward. So you're, you're cut, but they say, yeah, we have to cut you, but we want you to stay around or we're going to give you a waiver. We want you to stick around. You didn't have to stick around. You could have said, no, that's it. I'm done. I'm going home. I gave it my best shot. I'm out. Um, but you did it. You decided to stick around and you were you on payroll at that time or were you like on the team or were they just saying, hey, hang out with us in case we need you? I was officially not part of the team. And uh, I don't even know if you could call it a taxi taxi squad, but uh, no, I wasn't at the time. You were back up to the backup. Oh yes, I was probably not one supposed to even be noticed. But um, the the whole scenario with that was if the NFL, well, now we're saying if the NFL folks were to come in during the week I was practicing, I was supposed to take the days off, get out of there, not let anybody know I was there. But they were sort of hiding their own nugget right there until they were able to make me official. And I remember that I, under the collective bargaining agreement back then, I had the opportunity to go to other teams. Uh, there were three other clubs that were interested in me, but had I done that, I would not have been able to come back to the Rams within that calendar year. Uh, that was an old rule or something in the collective bargaining agreement between the owners and players association. But what eventually did happen is I accepted to just hang around and uh, unofficial, and the Rams took care of me. 
you know, paid for an apartment and paid me a little bit of cash every week. And that was good for a guy with a, a pregnant wife with your oldest son. And I'm a young kid coming out of college, you know. So you had some challenges even there in, in personal yeah. life, right? You sure did. And, yeah. And so, um, but basically they're saying, come around, hang out at practice. You know, you're not officially on the team, but we want you to be around and, and you put in that effort. Again, I think that shows, uh, you know, something about your character and about who you are and that drive of, uh, I want to achieve, you know, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to stick around and show them what I can do. And again, having some, uh, maybe some personal life uh, challenges there. It's like, hey, you know, do I stick around and, and go after a dream and continue to play and hope things work out? Um, or do I go get a, a, quote, a real job, as my parents used to say, mm-hmm. and uh, go get something that actually pays you something, you know? Uh, I'll, I'll share a quick story and we'll get back to you. But, you know, even starting off in this business early on, on the insurance and financial service side, I, I can't even remember how many times now I had family, friends, people around me that would say, you're doing what? I say, well, I'm, you know, selling insurance and uh, meeting with people on nights and weekends and their homes. And they're like, well, why don't you go get a real job and then just kind of do that on the side? <laughs> so, you know, I'm glad I never actually found a real job yeah. because this job has turned out pretty nice. Yeah, so, I think so. <laughs> so I, I'll flip that back to you because, you know, you could have went and got a real job, but you stayed, stayed around a practice and it seems like it turned out pretty nice for you. That's true. You know, you know I... I think with all that I've been through in regards, and every one of us have our own stories, uh, our own setbacks, our own things we've had to overcome, and we had to find ourselves through all that journey. And, and I think with my story, um, it was just one thing after another, after another, after another, and all of a sudden now I'm in charge of decision-making for myself. I'm the one that has to say, yes, I'll do it, or no, I won't, or Nah, I'll just go get a real job. And so I elected to continue to pursue my dream now that the dream has been presented to me because, like I said, truly wasn't expecting or had been talking about playing pro ball. It was now in my lap. And the only thing I ever knew was 100%. And so that showcasing and that my decision in staying really helped formulate my entire NFL career because I approached it the same way each and every year, no matter where I was. And um, when I first came back, Shane, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience and how I was received when I officially came back on the team. So now you make it to the uh, NFL, if you will. You get, you know, you get the jersey, you get the team, you're on the roster <laughs> list. Uh, uh, I think, if I remember right, you might have even been a starter once or twice, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, got, you, you got that dream. Yeah, you got that dream. And so um, I know you and I have talked over the over time uh, about all the memories that you have from the various games as you, uh, you know, you see things that spark a memory and go, oh, I remember that game or I remember playing against, you know, that player. And um, you and I have talked a little bit about sometimes we focus on all the successes and we need to do that. We need to look at our trophies on the wall. We need to look at, you know, the accolades and the and the awards that kind of gives us that inspiration, motivation, reminds us that, yeah, we can do that and we are good. Um, but we also have a lot of defeats along the way. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you had challenges uh, as you were going through your career. You had some great plays that you probably remember, great games that you won in the last seconds of the game, like many games. Um, but then you also had those games that probably were, wow, we should have won that, but we didn't. And then how, I, I guess where I'm going with this is how do you go from the, the ultra highs and then you go to the ultra lows? And how do you mentally just come, come back and keep challenging that? Because many of our advisors and many of the clients that we serve especially in a time like we are now where, you know, is the economy coming to an end? Is the world coming to an end as we know it? Um, 
are we, uh, is this just another detour in the road? And you know what? It's, yeah, it's a challenge. I'm not going to make light of it. You know, we are in challenging times and we've been through a number of economic times in the past from the great depression to the recessions, to the wars, the, you know, the, uh, uh, other plagues that we've had to face in the past or viruses that we've had to overcome, uh, this too shall pass, but sometimes it's hard to see that next win when you're living in the defeat. So help me, how does Preston, both in your professional life today and your you know, professional life back then, how do you mentally overcome that? What are some things that you would share with people to say, here's what I do to, to focus? Well, here's, here's something very simple. And it equates to anything and everything that we would do in life. This is just one example of the demeanor that I think one has to have. And every athlete has gone through this. Uh, every individual has gone through this in their own arena, whatever that profession or business might be. And that is, boy, in training camp, there are some mornings a young man does not want to get up. There are some mornings young men do not want to go out and get their body beat on. And try to think of that emotionally, mentally physically, socially, I mean, all those characteristics that have to all pull together and go, okay, we're ready to do this all over again. And I've been there, but boy, they were short lived because there's nothing better than the joy of being in that journey. I mean, I remember you're talking about all, uh, you know, sometimes people remember a lot of the highs or remember very few lows. I remember everything. And I know the lows drove me to the highs. And I always believe this. There is not one thing that I am truly not able to do unless I tell myself I can't do it, unless I convince myself I'm not good enough to do it, unless I believe in others' input that I'm not qualified to do it. There are certain measurements that want to have that will determine if they're qualified. But, you know, you may not have been a college graduate, but you can see do that same job as that degreed guy over there. Those are some of the practicalities that one has to master and overcome because if I need to be qualified with you, I need to be qualified. But boy, it does not take away the drive and the desire and the energy and the need and the want. And once I get people to understand that everything you desire is not wrapped up in the very next thing you do, but it is a journey. See, we don't get to where we are. I'll turn it to you. You didn't get to where you were by just one outing. Oh, my goodness. This was a great day. I just gave a $10,000 check. I'm on my way now. I'm going to be. You still had to continue to work. You still had to get up. You still had to be motivated, to be driven. But how many times do we have something that's a stumbling block, a roadblock, or a mountain in the way that says, oh, I wasn't expecting that. What do I do now? I always felt a little different. I felt like, okay, there's a door in the way. I got to figure out how to open it. Okay, I can take the hinges off. That would be very aggressive. Or I can check and see if the doorknob is loose and open and I can, it's unlocked and I can just go in. Or I could knock. Somebody will open that door. And then I have a story to tell. Will my story be good enough? But if you're not up, don't have your shoes on. You're not dressed. To go open that door, you never will have the opportunity. And that's how I looked at my playing career. So if I didn't feel like getting up that morning, I jumped in a hot shower right away. And I felt better. Then I went on to tackle the day because I always did one thing. Every level of my athletic career, and it was huge in college, I used to write sayings, positive sayings. 
that I would plaster on my locker or on books or on my gym bag or somewhere in my dorm room or apartment. And I always had these words on the back of a door, the mirror, or something. And they would be as simple as, make a great catch today. Be the best practice player today. Go be, make the game winner. Things like that. So when you talk about a negative, and I'll sort of phase out on this, I remember playing the Chicago Bears my second year in the league, my first year starting, and we're playing at Soldier Stadium, and I'm going the last play of the game. It's down the left sideline. There's Preston Denard. Vince Ferragamo throws the pass. It's a diving catch in the end zone. No, he doesn't come up with it. And I laid there at the end of the game crying like a baby, and you remember this name, Jack Youngblood? Yes. All pro, number 85, defensive end for the Los Angeles Rams. He runs over to me, sort of jogs over, maybe slow jog. And he reaches down, he grabs me by my collar and says, get up, young rookie. We got 15 more games to play. It clicked for me then. And then I knew I don't have to fall out and cry and just be ugly over one play. Now I need to go put several together to make up for that. So – it just meant that there was always more to go accomplish. And if you have that, what I call drive, you'll get up in the morning. You'll go do it. You may not feel like it, but boy, isn't it nice at the end of the day, you read that book report and now you're able to write about it because you know about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Great, great story and great uh, examples. Uh, you know, and again, I think recapping on some of the things you've said, it's that, you know, keeping that competitiveness going every day, you know, Face your challenges, have a, a positive attitude about it. This is just another thing that will also pass. Um, I think, you know, it goes back to the I am statements, you, you know, the positive statements. You know, we talk about uh, sometimes when we're doing some coaching and, and training about I am statements and, you know, looking yourself in the mirror every morning and saying, you know, I am confident, I am smart, I am a professional, you know, whatever it is that that help drive you to get that confidence back because we are living in a negative society many, many times, much more than a positive society. Uh, especially if you turn on the news, you would think everything is always negative, and we need that positive, you know, uh, uh, inspiration around us at times. And then I think you know the other part is is just remembering that, you know, there's a lot of things out there that will teach us as we go along the way. And if it's that one person who comes over, picks you up, and says, "Come on, we can get through this," or, you know, "This too shall pass." It's only one game. We've got 15 more to play, as you said. Um, those are those are things for all of us to remember. And when we're talking to our advice. When we're giving advice to our clients, we have to, you know, remember some of those things. They're looking for someone to give us them inspiration. They're looking for someone to give them that confidence. And um, I said a great leader, you know, is a, is a person who can walk into that room and everybody thinks 80 percent uh, negative. And by the time they're done speaking, well, now they're only thinking about 20 percent negative. You know, it's mm -hmm. maybe not 100 percent, but you convinced them it's going to be OK. And you gave them that confidence and that assurance that we can press forward. Shane, that's very, that's very correct. Cause today in sales and in marketing, one of the goals that I have, doesn't matter what customer it is. I know I'm the authority on my information. You know, I may have something very similar I have to compete against, but I know that when I sit with a customer and they are looking to hear from me, what my expertise is, what I'm really trying to do is to get them to be very comfortable about hearing about this information because I'm going to give them, first of all, what I feel is going to make them a better business, company, individual, 
and how they might be able to, and I still use it today, how they can separate themselves from others. And I use that all the time. And in, in, in sales, people always want to embark on a positive representation, uh, something with hope, something that you can instill confidence and faith in. You know, I believe in this. I stand behind it. I walk it. And should any challenge come about it, I'm just a phone call away. So I give them the personal relationship they would like to have because nobody likes to buy and then go on an island by themselves. They want to know they have that support system. And so that's what I drive home. And you are correct about that because it ends up being a feel-good relationship because how much more fluently will someone who has that kind of confidence in you will just pick up and call you on something that might not be as qualified as a true wise business question, but it meant so much to them to understand. And if you can deliver that without an attitude, without an opinion, without anything else, and that's called servicing that customer, if you can do that, you just hit another home run. Absolutely. And I know you were successful in the playing field. You were successful in life. And uh, now you're successful in, in business as well. So I know you do a lot of sales. I know you're very uh, smart in business and uh, your decisions. So I appreciate you taking time uh, to do a podcast with us. I thank you for uh, being part of the Gateway family and uh, look forward to uh, maybe doing some more with you in the future. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And we hope you enjoyed this program. GFA is focused on being a one-stop shop for full financial planning. To get more information about how you can join and be part of this winning team, go to www.gfainvestments.com or call us at 888-939-9714. Once again, our website is www.gfainvestments.com or you can contact us at 888-939-9714. This has been a presentation of Gateway Financial Advisors, Incorporated. And remember... Focus on your maximum potential. Securities offered through registered representatives of Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a broker-dealer, member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory services offered through Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, registered investment advisor. Gateway Financial Advisors Incorporated and Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated are not affiliated.